Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Spencer Graham, Matthew Bang, Ashley Martinez, Gabriel Pesek, Sean Mokels, Toge, and Blake Sawyer for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Through the Curtain. specifically direct him not to say through the curtain like a lame wad. I just thought it could use an air of gravitas. You didn't say with gravitas. I tried to. I was like, through the curtain. Because that's that's what I was doing. I was, I was dropping the excitable act and being more of like, no, this is something to be taken seriously. Through the curtain. No, there was like a melancholy gay whist to what you said. Like, literally gay. Like, you're longing for a man in the way that you said it. Which neither of us are against. I'm just saying, why attach it to this ridiculous episode I don't, of I don't know how... I guess... I have no way to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't think there's uh, much way to discuss this episode other than saying that long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony, and then the Fire Nation attacked. And now, only Scooby-Doo... The Avatar can save them all. Although, you have to admit, Scooby-Doo was tasked with saving the Earth, and he does fucking precious little in this episode. I think maybe what we're stumbling upon is some sort of new Scooby-Doo premise, where Scooby is unthawed from a glacier by two Arctic dwellers, and have to go on a globe-trotting journey. Billy, you can just call Soka and Katara the Water Tribe. That's not racist. It's I, within the fantasy of I, that yeah, show. I have no idea why I didn't just say Water Tribe. That would make way more sense, since that's actually what I'm talking about. Can we talk about this actual episode? We can. Instead I mean, of Avatar? We could talk about Avatar. We could. But we didn't name this Avatar Do's or Avatar Don'ts. No, we would have come up with a... It would have been different than that, for sure. So let's just I just cut out 45 minutes of Billy workshopping Uh, Avatar podcast names. Some of them were great. You would have loved them. Um, Instead, Amelia, I want to know what you thought about this. Even at first glance, it's a very different cold open for this episode. It's uh, the evil entity, which I wrote down in minor mentions, but I suppose it really only has one thing that it does, and it does most of it in the cold open, of just a huge, messy exposition dump 
about exactly what it is, what it did, and what it's going to do. Which is? Which is, it's uh, gonna... It's an evil alien that came here via uh, the planets aligning. It did all of the evil shit that's happened in Crystal Cove throughout the years, including bringing all these past groups together to try and free it. And what it's what it's going to do in the future is bathe us all in fire and death. And again, I just have to stress. Did the planets align in February 2020? Because it kind of feels like... They may have. It feels like an evil entity of our own. I mean, that could be penciled in for November. I could see that happening. December at the latest. (laughs) But I I really think, Amelia, what needs to be stressed about that intro is the gravitas. Stop saying it like that. The way that he brings it in. Stop saying gravitas. You're like every grandpa refusing (laughs) to pronounce Pokemon correctly. He talked about... He didn't just bring them together. He forged the gang, and they are his proudest creation, the children of Nibiru. There's there's some fucking, I'm not going to say it, some depth, I guess, is another word I'll use. Some poignancy. I'm also going to point out that that evil entity is voiced by Clancy Brown in this episode. And, I mean, if you're not, if you can't get Keith David, get Clancy Brown. That's what I've always said. Why do evil entities always got to have uh, terrifying voices? I mean, what if it's got a really stupid voice and everyone's just like, well, that's not what I was expecting. And then what? it has to work around the stupid voice to prove just how evil it truly is. Look. Like Gilbert Gottfried. I agree. If Gilbert Gottfried <laughs> or Rick Moranis had stepped out. Of- Actually, if Rick Moranis had stepped out of there, I just would have been overjoyed because that man doesn't come out of retirement for anything. But still, he's like, hey, hello there. Uh, I'm the evil entity. <laughs> I forged you. You're my proudest creation, the children of Nibiru. <laughs> and then Shaggy gets all up in there, like, nice to meet you, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Oh, you're my favorite. <laughs> and we could do that voice back and forth at each other for another 45 minutes, but... <laughs> that is for patrons only. <laughs> um, Amelia, would you like a nice and simple premise for this episode? If there is such a thing. Oh, oh, there is. Mystery Inc. face the very elements themselves to destroy the evil entity. Simple, clean, wildly inaccurate, though. Because, spoilers, this evil entity does not get destroyed. And we'll tell you exactly how that happens. Starting with the Fred Factor. Okay. Fred sacrifices himself to be the one that, like, hands over all the keys to the evil group, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Daphne doesn't let him. Yeah, and she has the perfect words for this here, where she says to him, no splitting up, never again. And I love that because it shows that this episode, this whole conclusion to Mystery Inc., really is considered from the core elements of Scooby-Doo. It looked at Scooby-Doo as, you know, a series where these kids split up and solve a mystery. And so it's actually looking at that idea of splitting up and saying, no, we, you know, every other time they've split up for the end, they need to stick together. And that just proves to be their strength. Also, the fact that Fred's like, I'm pretty sure this gate is a trap and I'm pretty sure I know how to handle this. That was just like perfect. So really, 
if no one else had gone with him. He could have sprung that trap, let it destroy off all the Gustafa bots, and possibly saved the day, but because Daphne was just like, No! Well, she I want to go too. That's not what she said. <laughs> it's the tone I implied. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> I love how what you just said there. You're not saying that it was in the episode at all. You're saying it was the tone you implied. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, Fred. Yeah, so Fred, like, he's pretty useful here because. Some of these doors are trapped and there are obstacles they have to overcome. And again, he's in his element. Uh, later on, because each of these doors, if we haven't made it clear with our joke about Avatar earlier, they require one of the four elements to open. One of the four keys. Open with keys and then say that the keys that they all found are each representative of an element. Yes. Um, and so the fir- the first door that they come across is the uh is the air door which is actually the fourth key the cloth uh because all of these doors are going to be sort of in reverse order because right now you're working your way outside in and they were ordered inside out while they're in the rock dimension uh they have to fight sort of a golem and fred has it slam into a wall and fred he wants everyone to know, it's like, look, this is this technically doesn't really count as a trap, but... I'm disappointed that they didn't defeat the rock monster with some sort of large roll of paper. Fred has planned for literally everything else. In his bag of tricks, he should have had a giant roll of paper. It- what defeats rock, Billy? Paper. Paper covers rock. Yes, so... Well, they they had the paper as one of the keys. That would have been interesting if that was actually for the rock. No, I'm just saying Fred always comes prepared. You just want we've Fred s- to be prepared. We've seen that in this series. He goes to school with a duffel bag full of trap-making materials, but he doesn't go into alternate dimensions with a few trap-making materials. It feels like, why did you build him up to be the trap master if at the end of the series... Y'all are just like, he's gonna wing it. <laughs> well, that, if anything about that is Fred part Jones. Of, that is part of being a trap master. Is master. Master. <laughs> part of being a trap master is knowing how to improvise. <laughs> Thank you, Carol Channing. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for letting me guest on your podcast. She's quite dead, isn't she? I, I'm gonna look that up. That's important <laughs> that we spend time on that. <laughs> I just want to know what level of necromancy we have to perform. Uh, she only died in 2017. So after we launched this podcast, it's what it's what killed her. <laughs> it is what killed her, yes. That's really all I have for Fred, if you want to just go nope. through the other doors. That's, well, yeah, we might as well before we go through the other characters, but yeah. So yeah, the four gates that they go through in order are air, earth, water, and fire. Uh, the air door, uh, it's sort of starts sucking, there's a big mouth on the door, and it starts inhaling and and sucking everything inward. They have to put that cloth over the mouth. For the earth element, they just have to fill the bowl with an equal amount of earth to tip some scales. Uh, The water door, they fill a hat with water, and then a waterfall rushes out, and that gate actually becomes a boat. And they have to just drift aimlessly in the ocean. 
for a thousand years. Just have an existential crisis. <laughs> and then for the fire door, they have to take the flint from the flintlock pistol and put it in the door. Uh, the Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans. I mean, this whole episode, it's pretty much just the gang going through a series of D&D puzzles. Is pretty much what it is. It's no, a... you can't claim this is D&D puzzles. No one tries to fuck anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's, that's not what D&D's about. If you have a bard in the party, it it's, is. I know, and they, in recent D&D, they got rid of the seduce option. Now it's just charming. They're charming people. It's way less sexual. And speaking of way less sexual, Shaggy and Scooby. Shaggy and Scooby really make it clear that we are at the end. When Shaggy brings out the last hamburger. Yes, yes, yes. It's supposed to be a touching moment. Oh, no. these are their steaks. They're out of <laughs> hamburgers. You didn't like the last hamburger gag? Both of y'all shut up. God damn it. You just thought 30 seconds ago that Fred, Velma, and Daphne had died. <laughs> and now they're like, the second saddest thing to ever happen to us. Was them nearly dying, and the first is that this is our last hamburger. <laughs> Although I am surprised that Scooby let Shaggy have any of it, given his past with the quote-unquote last snack, how he usually just eats it all. Well, that, that's how you can tell we're at the conclusion of everybody's arc. Shaggy and Scooby are now sharing food as equals. And they are also the ones who really the most have an existential freakout on the uh, interdimensional seas. Especially Shaggy, who starts being like, Oh, dude, we're lost at sea! Correction! In an interdimensional sea! The way Matthew Lillard rolled those R's. Motherfucker, I loved it. If that's a shot at me, that I'm incapable of rolling my R's... Heard loud and clear, buddy. That's absolutely- I have no <laughs> one to talk about not getting words out or rolling things. I just said pixel earlier. I also didn't know you couldn't roll your R's. People that have their earlobes attached to their jawline can't do that. Also can't roll my tongue. I can't roll my tongue either. That's a myth. No one can do that. So now we found something that Billy is ashamed of. <laughs> his inadequacies. Cannot physically roll his tongue into a loop. My one inadequacy. Yes, we found it. And also that he doesn't have his bard fuck in his did D&D you, campaign. Did you have anything else for Shaggy and Scooby? I guess. I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about your non-fucking bard. Because that's not... that. I don't like to play that way. Like, it's not something I'm interested in in the game. With my friends being like, let's get fucking. <laughs> <laughs> But it's hilarious. <laughs> you come and play and you can get fucking. I'm not gonna play a bard. <laughs> fucking kidding me? Play a rogue who fucks. The people are here to, to talk about Scooby-Doo. They're not here to talk about anything. <laughs> hey, listeners, are you talking right now? Because I can't fucking hear you. Well, I kind of came to talk about Scooby-Doo. Stop. Not even close to Carol Channing anymore. Wait, I gotta say her name for Carol Channing. There, now I'm back. Hardly. Again, Scooby is the one who was put all this on his shoulders and he does fucking nothing. Fred does all the doors. It's, that's a, you know what, Mystery Incorporated is the Fred show. I think yeah, we Nova, can safely say that. Nova should have come out of her coma and pointed at Fred. 
He's the talking animal of this generation. Fred is the one who has, like, the biological connection to this. He's the one with the most agency. And he's Frank Welker, so I get it. Shaggy tries to do the last key, which is the gun for the fire door, and he just fucking fires this gun that's apparently been loaded this whole goddamn time at the door, and it does nothing. So Fred just kind of... So Daphne just kind of takes the gun out of his hand and is like, you fucking idiot, and (laughs) shows him that it's the flint that's the key. Yes. Not the fucking bullet. Why would the bullet be the key? And then I kind of feel like Fred's in the background just being like, I know that we said Shaggy could do this one, but Daphne just do this one. Well, I'm also going to say, it's like, he gives it to Shaggy and is like, here, you use the key. I don't think he expected Shaggy to just fire wildly at the door, causing it to ricochet. He grabs that gun from Shaggy to be like, stop shooting things! What are you doing? No one knew this gun was loaded? Check that (laughs) shit before you just start twirling it on your fingers in earlier episodes. God. Um, That transitions nicely to Daphne, because Daphne is the one who does figure out that flint puzzle, and she's the one who puts the flint in the lock and turns it so that the door can emoliate itself. So the Daphne dilemma then? Yeah, Daphne dilemma, for sure. Okay. Uh, She's just fucking chucked at the first booby trap door. Yeah. It's, it's, Fred is not quite in action yet, and so the Nazis need to be like, let's give him some steaks, and chuck Daphne at the door. We had previously seen a Nazi robot get sucked by the door, and scrunched up and destroyed so that his full body would fit into that itty-bitty hole. Yeah, y'all remember the, the deadlight parts uh, in It, where the kid gets sucked into the tube? That's that's what would have happened to Daphne yeah. on a much smaller scale. Every bone in her body broken and crushed in order to fit through here. Luckily, Fred prevents that. Um, she is really... She's here for motivation throughout a lot of the episode. She says things like, Nothing is bigger than us. It's the five of us. We can do this together. And she has a moment when they are doubting themselves again to say that, no, her love for Fred is real. Her love for the rest of the gang is real, and they are all best friends, no matter what brought them together in the first place. Thelma tries to have a pessimistic moment where she tries to, you know, say all her last words lest something happen to any of them, and Daphne just won't hear it at all. Won't let her say her goodbyes. Well, well now you're all going to feel really bad if one of you dies, and you didn't throw in those last goodbyes as just, you know... Just in case. Look, Daphne is the bard of the party. She was giving everyone inspiration before this final battle. Yeah, and look where it led them. Nazi robots (laughs) unleashing an evil entity and no one's fucking anybody. That is a good point. Good job, Daphne. So glad we invited a bard along. (laughs) The Velma vision. Thank God she knows alchemy symbols. This is in her vast repository of knowledge. She can recognize air alchemy symbols. She is also able to recognize types of rock. They come, yeah. They come across this big stone wall and Fred's like, Velma, what kind of rock is this? <laughs> no, all types of rocks are in her vast brain. Fred, we had geology class. Fred, we had geology class together, what is what f- she should have said. Why the fuck would there be a geology class in high school? Well, may- maybe. The study of rock. 
I guess it's there's not really a course a, credit for you. Not quite high school, is it? I there was a rock unit in like grade four. I don't remember ever learning about rocks. I'm gonna be honest, Billy. Some of them are hard. Some of them are soft. Granite is a harder one. And so that's the plan for that rock monster to smash into the wall and destroy himself. Uh, Velma also has a moment where she excitedly, really happily talks about string theory. Yes. And she's doing it in a, in a, a type of, like, high-energy happiness that implies that she didn't really care that her lesbian partner was just murdered by a Nazi firing squad. Yeah, I, I have notes for this under minor mentions. I feel like she's being strong there. She had her moment on the bridge with Scooby-Doo earlier, but, um... When she wistfully looked behind her and was yeah. just like, oh, lol, Marcy died via Nazi firing squad. Well, she, uh, that, that, you know, fourth dimensional space and worlds between worlds can perk you up again. But yeah, can we just... Can yeah, we... we can go to minor mentions before we go to major minor mentions. I would love to. Marcy, hot dog water... Back again, Pericles had long ago trapped her in a box to use as leverage. Which, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was just like a cooler. It was blue with a white lid. That's the kind of cooler you would take on a beach party. And it st instead had a person inside. She's, she's brought out of it to uh, make them come down and solve the first door. And they solve the first door, and uh, Marcy is left temporarily unaccompanied by a Nazi bot, so she grabs Pericles around his little bird neck, and uh, she's gonna break it. She's gonna break this Should bird's have. fucking neck in a headlock. I never thought that about to break a bird's neck would be sexy, and yet here we are. <laughs> Mar yeah, Marcy is briefly in control of the situation. It lets the gang get far enough ahead that they have a shot at destroying the evil entity. And it's, it's a good moment for her, especially the moment she has between herself and Mr. E, when she just looks at him, she's like, I expected more from you. And he says, so did I. But then, Brad and Judy step in, Pericles gets free, Marcy now has no leverage, and because the gang is already gone, clearly she wasn't the leverage Pericles thought she was in the first place, literally. Nazis point guns yeah. at her head. And they cut away. But then while you see Velma and Scooby on the bridge, you hear machine gun fire. Like, not not lasers, not some other, like, explosion, like, rat-a-tat-tat machine gun fire. And then worse than that, for me, is Scooby-Doo whimpering. When was the last time you heard Scooby-Doo, like, truly whimper? Probably like a thousand times this series, and I just never noticed. I, I really feel like it's not something he usually does. It's very dog-like, and it just really hit home. Marcy was murdered by a firing squad. I guess on a plus side, um, death via Nazi firing squad because you're fighting for the resistance is the sexiest way to die. It is a truly honorable death. If they could have animated a cigarette in her mouth... I probably would have had an orgasm, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm just glad that when we cut back to them, we didn't just see, like, Marcy's mangled body in the corner. I'm glad that standards and practices said that was too far. We can't animate them in a boat without a life jacket, but you think they're <laughs> gonna animate 
a mangled corpse in the corner. Actually, that's a good point, because they were not wearing life jackets in this boat. Well, they probably argued it's alternate dimension water and they can't drown in it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Marcy. R.I.P. She's dead now. Now and forever. <laughs> just just like Cassidy. Cassidy <laughs> continuity? Yeah. Uh, Is that what we were? No, Cassidy uh, it's now, confirmation. It's now the Cassidy confirmation. Again, I can confirm that Cassidy is dead. Um, <laughs> Mr. E... Even, like, calls her out. He's, he wishes that Cassidy was here. And Pericles looks right at him and says he lacks the stomach for greatness. And it's just get, it gets getting more and more clear to Mr. E that Cassidy was murdered by Pericles, right? Like, he knows that by this point. I'm pretty sure Pericles, like, just flat out admitted it last episode. Okay. Yeah, he he expected more more for himself. He really... He shows that he truly regrets hurting Marcy, and he is glad that he, the original Mystery Incorporated is not going to get out of this alive. Yeah, they're all marching towards their deaths. He knows it. Uh, and he can't wait for it. He can't wait for death for himself and all his old friends. He has so many regrets. Brad and Judy double duty. Fuck them. Brad is still going out of his way to be a total dick. Yeah. Judy, this dim light is doing wonders for your complexion. I can hardly see you. I know you're evil, but do you have to be misogynistic? Does right? that always have to go hand in hand? This is your wife. Can't we be evil but loving? They're the ones that take down Marcy. And Brad is just like, Ha, ah, little girl, we've been springing traps since before you were born. Handing your belt to your wife so that she can whip it at Marcy's legs <laughs> Not a trap. isn't really a trap, is it, dipshit? And you know what? This is where Fred has one over you. Because Fred at least has the decency to admit that just a rock wall is not a trap. And I would even argue that, that is more of a trap. But Fred, what you the, now have a threshold. They, he lured that rock golem into it. Yeah. Whereas Marcy was physically yes. attacked. If you are luring someone into something, it's a trap. And then the Pericles position I just wrote down, he releases the evil entity to great success. Uh, Hooray for Pericles! His job is done! Can we talk about how he's a punk-ass little bitch as soon as he's in a headlock? Yes, yes we can, because that's fun. <laughs> Marcy's got him in a headlock, and she's just like, yeah, let's hear the tune he sings once we start plucking him. And he's just like, oh no! <laughs> I'm just a little burb. <laughs> Do not plug me. And his Nazi bots are approaching, and he's just like, nine, nine, trying to shut him down so that she doesn't pluck more feathers out of his head. You yeah. pussy. Fuck you. Also, why did she hesitate for one second? If she had snapped that bird's neck, what would the Gestapo bots have done? The master they were following is dead now. I, and it would have been really interesting if maybe... The evil entity is so evil, like, you snap Pericles' neck, and then he, like, snaps it back. And he's like, oh, poor little kinder. Death holds no realm for me. No, because it hasn't been set up that he's had any interaction with the evil entity outside of probably, like, some dreams. Right. So, I know where you're going with this, yeah. but I'm saying, guys, it's a fucking parrot. Break its neck. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I and then all I you have to deal with standards and practices would probably also not smile kindly on someone's neck being broken. We're not talking about screen. standards and practices. We're talking about real life situation. If if your life was hanging in the balance because of a maniacal parrot, I would grab that thing 
And I would twist it like a half-used tube of toothpaste, damn it! Listeners, I want you to know that is not how she handles toothpaste. Amelia is responsible and goes from the bottom and squeezes up. She even introduced me to one of these little things that will help keep it squeezed. My toothpaste has never been more organized than when Amelia has entered my life. So I know she's making a joke there. Don't come at her for it. She is better than that. This is this is what I feel you're going to come at her for. And she is very good with toothpaste. That's what would have turned my legion of gay men against me. Yes. <laughs> Them thinking I don't know how to squeeze toothpaste out of a tube. The villain of this episode. The evil entity. Yes, the evil entity. Who's just chilling in an alternate dimension below Crystal Cove. Waiting for the planets to align. So, um, he can burn the world down. Yeah, and he's, and he's coming at you with that, like, creepy, clancy brown voice. Oh, let me out of my coffin here, boy! Money, 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 money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, not that voice. <laughs> um, but, oh, God. I think the line that got me most was, I am the author of your every hope and dream. Set me free. How is it possible that it is the author of anything trapped in a crystal sarcophagus in an alternate dimension? Like, it can claim it's the puppet master, but how much control does it really have over the puppets? It's that, that I'm glad. It's something. It it's is something, something, but it's not like, oh, I'm the one that made your parents fuck, and I'm the one that specifically turned this one little sperm of theirs into you, and I'm the one that raised you what? to believe all the things that you believe, and blah, blah, blah. Like, where does it stop in this whole, I, I'm the author of your destiny garbage? I think it's better that it's not said, because I think once it gets into, I'm the one who moved those little sperms together into the egg, it's like, what? What? I have more questions now. Did you also birth their parents? Yeah. Like, how it, far back is this going? But if you just say, I am the author of your every hope and dream it he's a world shaper that's all all you have to say when we actually see the evil entity he's kind of just like this black stringy smoke with green eyes any thoughts on the actual physical form of the evil entity as we saw him here um the uh anunnaki don't have physical forms yeah. so it couldn't come out of that coffin looking like anything so I'm fine with it. I really liked the fact that we first saw him sort of travel through that row of planets and even block out the sun. That wasn't him. That was like the Nibiru effect, isn't it? I don't... Well, I think it feels the, like it's connected. The Anunnaki arrive during like a eclipse that happens every 5,000 years and like that's what renders the space between realities so thin that they can cross over. I mean, honestly, here's the thing. I like, I just like the visual of blocking out the sun. It looked cool. No, <laughs> it looked cool, but also, this was, this is my last general thought or feeling here. You think that all the planets aligning would be bigger news. You know, shit yeah. like that doesn't happen. It's impossible to line up all the planets. And if it I... just did it, like, it would be all over the place. I think it's pretty big I think news. It's, I think it's, I think it might be just like a lie. That the planets have to be aligned. 
I I feel like really the thing is Nibiru it, has its own trajectory. Surely, it's probably all over the news. We're just not really watching the news right now because there's a few <laughs> other things they have to do. I'm sure I'm sure Velma's mom is taping it. You know, after getting out of the mines where she was enslaved. She was enslaved the least amount of time she out of was. everyone. She will be the most well-adjusted to tape that special. Do you have a terror scale for the evil entity? Well, we're not going to talk about feasibility, or we're just going to assume that this is a no. <laughs> uh, I mean... Everyone can draw their own conclusions that shit like this isn't real. The planets don't align, doesn't weaken the fabric of reality to allow aliens to enter into our animals. You don't think you could go through four extraterrestrial planes? <laughs> I'm not a string theory believer. Thank you very much. I, I don't think this is string theory, really. It's just... I think, you know, everything that's in the universe right now is all there is. Yeah. I don't buy into alternate realities that there's... Everything that could ever happen ever has its own universe. It's bullshit. Yeah, I, I agree. Not feasible, but boy, it's a heck of a story. And uh, for the terror scale, I kind of want to save it till next episode, because this is clearly a two-parter. The evil entity only just got out. Okay, so don't rate the evil entity. Rate, it's Pericles again. It's Pericles and the fact that, like, now we know, okay, yep, it's a fucking death cult. <laughs> so the death cult, a ten. Oh, yeah, we're, we're giving tens out like candy this close to the end, of course. Pericles gets a 10, his death cult gets a 10, Brad and Judy get a 10. That rock golem? That's more of a level of 5 or 6. It's a 3 tops. Alright, if you have a granite wall on hand at all times. Maybe I just know that I can run faster than a thing made out of rocks. Maybe that's my deal. It's possible too. Possible. <laughs> If I'm with you, I'll be fine, because you will... Just have to outrun me. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts or feelings on this episode? I believe I said just a moments ago, I, I have already used them all up. Well, I have one more. When they're at the fire door, the last dimensional plane, there is the body of a conquistador outside that door. There's just a skeleton wearing a conquistador's hat. I want to know his story of getting this far. You know what I want to say? When the conquistadors buried the crystal sarcophagus, it wasn't the time of Nibiru anymore. So I want to say they probably buried that sarcophagus in just a cave. Right. And the fact that it's seconds away from the Nibiru event, that all the fabric of reality has unwoven, mm -hmm. which is how the Anunnaki get here in the first place. And like... The closer you get to the Nibiru event, the weirder shit gets in these dimensions leading up to the crystal sarcophagus. Yes, I 100% believe that because every time we've seen this sarcophagus before in that room... It's just a cave filled with gold, but we get here today and it's filled with lava. So that conquistador is just like a dude that died burying this crystal sarcophagus and there was nothing eventful about it. It was cholera. I can, Well, <laughs> I... There you go, Billy. There's your back. I kind of want to take an interpretation of both. That maybe it, it was like that, and it definitely does get weirder the closer it gets to the Nibiru event, that those dimensional planes shift a little closer and farther. Um, maybe he got caught in that flux. Cholera. Also cholera. <laughs> he was suffering that before the flux. The flux certainly didn't help. <laughs> 
Listeners, if any of you have contracted cholera or cholera-like symptoms, you can reach out to us on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. Is this episode a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? It is a Scooby-Doo for the moment that has stuck with me ever since we first watched it. The death of Marcy. That is a truly effective death. Um, it hurts. The episode as a whole is... It's a little D&D one-shot. It's them going through four planes of the elements. I don't think that's the most effective they've ever been, but I think the ramp up to the very end and... Okay, I raise you. If instead of doing all the doors at once, maybe if they had actually, like, cut out some of the stupid filler episodes, like the aliens and the gluten demon, maybe we could have gotten, like, them finding a, a... key and then traveling somehow in their dreams and or physically you know that's a writer's room problem to each door like do an episode in each realm yes so that it's not just this end episode where it's like bam 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 that would have been cool we had to show you the gluten demon so this has to be bullshit fast (laughs) because i say it's a scooby-doo obviously it's the penultimate episode of the most story heavy scooby-doo series that we've ever had But it is kind of lackluster. Yeah, right? Like, it's like, oh, we need to solve this water puzzle now. Two people come out. One can only lie. One can only tell the truth. What's one plus one? No, you just stab them both. Our next episode, the last episode of Mystery Incorporated, is Come Undone. And I'm going to come undone when we're done this, because I don't want to do anything after Mystery Incorporated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're, we'll have a stack count. We'll have a chance to unpack Mystery Incorporated as a whole. That'll be fun. And after that, it's a whole new world. You better hope I don't just declare a, a hiatus and then never come back. I, I <laughs> will push you to keep recording. There's stuff out there I still want to see. You're welcome to watch it on your own time. Listeners, convince Amelia to keep going. And on that note, That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us. The Scooby-Dooby-Us!